Vineyard Westside welcomes everyone. It doesn't matter where you've been or what you've done. Come as you are, because we believe that love wins, period. We're going to invite our ushers to come forward and give an offering together. If you are new here, um, it's tradition for you to empty your pockets entirely, whatever money you have. Now, just kidding. If you are new here, um, we just would invite you to pray with us or, or listen or, or whatever. But this is a time for, for those of us who have uh, made a decision to partner with Vineyard Westside and made a decision to partner with, with God to do work for the kingdom. And so we're to that wacky point where we believe that uh, it's worth it to give our money away uh, because the kingdom of God is able to rapidly advance with the money that we give. So, Lord, thank you for the way that you've blessed us. Thank you for how you've spoiled us. God, we just pray that you would continue to pour out your, your favor, your riches, your gold, your glory. God, we want... We want we want your resources, Lord. We, we want your power. We just we want the things that make your kingdom run. So we say, come Holy Spirit. We give you this offering. We pray that you would multiply it. And you would use it to rescue people from the depths of hell. Pull them out. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right, they're going to pass those things along. And... Um, Hey, before we jump into everything else, though, I don't know. I can't see everybody. Are June and Steve in here today? June and Steve tuning, are you here at all? I don't think that they're here this morning. Um, for those of you who don't know June and Steve tuning, um, they have been working tirelessly for many years at this point to bring an incredible children's ministry program to Vineyard Westside. Um, They've, uh, I know, thank you to them for sure. And if you're watching, June or Steve, if, if, you're, if, you're, uh, if you're viewing this on the live stream on, on YouTube or Facebook, I don't know how to possibly say thank you enough for the work that you've done. And I'm excited because um, there's, a, there's a change that's taking place right now in the family ministry area. And... The usual story is, well, somebody left, and now we got to figure out what to do. That's not the story. The story this time is um, a season has come to an end, and June and Steve Tuning are still here, and they're figuring out what God is going to do next with them. They've uh, decided that they were going to focus on building up their business again. Uh, during COVID, they had a lot of... Um, just a lot of catching up to do on things. And so the two of them are working on a business they started together, and um, they are still attending church here with us. And so we're just praying for them to see what is the next thing that God has for them. Um, with that in mind, so if you see them around here, if you know June or Steve, um, make sure to give them a high five or uh, just to say thank you uh, in passing. With that, I would love to, to bring up someone to introduce you to today that um, we're pretty excited about. Stephanie, you want to come up here? There you are. I can barely see you through this light. Right up here. I have somebody I want to introduce you to. Oh, I have a microphone for you right here, too. Look at that. 
forgot. Let's see if that one's working. Is it working? Yeah. Look okay. at that. Great. Awesome. Hi. Hello. <laughs> Good morning. How are you? Great. How are you guys? Good. Good. So, Stephanie has been highly involved with the family ministry program, children's ministry at Lavinia. Lavinia is the partner church that we have that is also meeting in this building. Uh, it is a bilingual um, service where it's English and Spanish, both of them going, um, translating one after another. Um, tell them who you are. Yeah, introduce, okay. introduce I mean, you yourself did a little to the people. Bit, but, um, yeah. yeah, I am Stephanie Montiel. Um, I've been the children's pastor at Lavinia for a few years now, and um, yeah, I don't know what else. I'm also a preschool teacher, so I take care of kids all the time. You like kids, I guess? I do. You don't, a you little haven't gotten bit. sick of them? At I this? mean, I probably do, but right, right. I don't have any of my own yet, so that helps. Yeah, I guess, <laughs> but we are super excited to have you. You're going to be stepping into the role of... Um, helping with our, our elementary kind of age range mostly, um, and also with working with curriculum for our kids. And um, we're excited to be able to reopen our children's ministry, our entire family ministry, um, you know, set up uh, in just a couple weeks from now. We've been trying to figure out how do we move forward um, with this pandemic and everything, and we're excited to finally have um, a plan. But, Absolutely. But uh, anything else you want to tell the people? If you want, I think that you said you were going to be available after the service yes. in the lobby for yeah. anybody. If if you want to say hello, if you want to introduce yourself or ask any questions about family ministry, mm -hmm. um, she's going to be out there to answer those. So. Yes, I can't wait to meet all of you. And if there are any kids here, I can't wait to meet them. And you know, we're very excited at Lavinia. We, we really believe that the Lord put us together um, in this time for a reason and to, to help us understand that there is one church under Jesus. You know, we all have different buildings, we all have different names, but there's one church. And I believe he wants to help us understand what it means to love one another and do our best to be at peace with one another and to serve together. And I think that this is one of those steps um, to help us to do that. Yeah, so we're we've very been, excited. We've been partnering more and more with Lavinia and, and different creative opportunities, and we just want to do more of it. So mm -hmm. it's, it's a, a really cool kingdom thing that's going on, mm -hmm. and uh, so we don't plan to stop anytime soon. Um, thank you. Yeah. Nice thank to meet you. Thank you, guys. Great. Nice to meet you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Well, hey, what we're going to do today... Uh, for any of you who maybe you weren't here last week, if you weren't here last Sunday, we began talking about this idea that could be a really, really big deal, a really big deal. And I did hear from a lot of you this past week that it was something that you were able to incorporate in different ways, that this was one of those kind of meaningful things, um, even though it's one of the, it, 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 doesn't, it doesn't sound that cool. What we're talking about today, again, kind of part two of it, I guess, is pre-deciding, pre-deciding. If you were here last Sunday, we talked about what it would mean to pre-decide to keep yourself out of trouble in certain ways, to pre-decide um, a certain way that you are going to react when something happens. 
that it's already planned out. You don't have to wonder, will I do the right thing or not? You've already pre-decided a certain way that you're going to react to the situation coming up. And so um, I I don't know about you, but um, I don't think anybody plans to have their life be kind of... um, their, their, their life be broken in some way. Um, I never planned to get to 50 pounds overweight at one point. I never planned it. It just kept happening. I never planned to, um, you know, do a, something, something, something so stupid that um, I, I would have to hide and lie and lie some more and start to lose trust with family or friends. I didn't, I didn't plan to do it, but then I did it because I didn't plan to, to not do it. And so because I didn't plan to not do it, I accidentally fell into it. Uh, my dad was a single dad growing up, uh, raising me, and um, I... Man, my poor dad. Now I think about it, I'm, I'm an adult, and I just feel so horrible because I got hurt again and again and again and again and again and again, and we've talked about it many times, but um, I, I, don't, I don't even know what the number's at now. I've broken around 30 bones in my life, and I'm counting fingers and toes once. <laughs> and so we were in the hospital constantly, and we didn't have any money, and uh, surgeries and broken bones were expensive, and my dad went bankrupt. He went bankrupt twice. And when I look back on it, I asked him, I said, was it me that bankrupted you? He said, oh, yeah. (laughs) Oh, dear God, yes. Sometimes you don't plan on these certain things happening, but they they happen. and they might happen because you didn't plan on um, them not happening. Or you didn't plan on how to deal with it when it did happen. And so uh, last week we said that the quality of your decisions determines the quality of your life. The, de- the quality of your decisions determines the quality of your life. Whatever decisions you make, that's going to kind of point you in a certain direction of where you want to be. You know, one of them... Um, I, and this, this, could sound, this could sound bad, it could sound vain, it could sound um, selfish or something, but I was speaking with a woman recently who is, uh, she's single, she's looking for the right one, she's in the dating game, and uh, she said, well, you know what, part of it is um, I'm not going to live paycheck to paycheck anymore. She said, I, I've, I've already been through that, I've done that, and I, I climbed out of that. And I got to a point where that wasn't a part of my life anymore. And so now, with me going into date, like, I'm not going to live paycheck to paycheck anymore. I'm not doing that. I'm not going backwards and starting to do that again. And so last week, we talked about what does it mean to pre-decide something. The big thing was, if you can write down these two sentences, when faced with blank, when faced with blank, a situation, or a thing that stresses you out, or a problem, or a person that drives you nuts, or whatever. When faced with blank, I have predecided blank. 
when faced with blank, I've predecided to take this action, this blank. And so it could be for a million different things. Um, if I'm experiencing anxiety all of a sudden, when faced with anxiety, so if I'm filling in the blanks, when faced with anxiety, I've predecided to meditate and listen to worship music. For me, I've decided to meditate and listen to worship music. If I'm starting to be in an anxiety loop and I can't get out of it, I'm going to put on worship music and meditate. And the meditation has been um, going through a list in my head of all the good people in my life and thanking God for them. And the anxiety melts away because I predecided on how I was going to how I was going to approach it. And this is and I'm not saying that I'm great at that. It's easier said than done. But when I remember, hey, you predecided something. You don't have to wonder, "Oh, what do I do? How do I get out of this? I wish I didn't feel this way." Well, what if you predecided something? When that thing came up, and so when faced with blank, I've predecided blank. Then all of a sudden, you're a person who's able to be ready. You could be consistent. You could say, you know what? Um, if you're a person who's late all the time, um, I'm driving my mother-in-law's vehicle right now. I dropped them off at the airport last week, and my truck broke, and I'm borrowing their car, and I'm driving it, and the clock is 11 minutes fast, I think. It's 11 minutes fast, and I keep thinking I'm late. And it's because she is late all the time, and so she's predecided, you know what, I'm going to set my clock, all my clocks forward. I'm going to work on these things. I'm, because I'm going to be ready. I'm going to be consistent. I'm going to be on time. And so the decisions that you make, all of a sudden, maybe they don't have to be based on the way you're feeling in the moment, if you're feeling good or bad, but they could be based on who do you want to be? Who do you want to be? eventually. Who do, you, who do you want to end up being? That could be where your decisions are coming from. So in 1 Corinthians chapter 16, all right, 1 Corinthians chapter 16, this says, be on your guard. Be on your guard. Stand firm in the faith. Be courageous. Be strong. What we're talking about today, part two of pre-deciding the second part of this for today is how do you overcome temptation? How do you overcome temptation? You can overcome temptation. Uh, temptation is not the same thing as sin. And so um, if you're somebody who's like, I'm just tempted all the time, I hate it. And you do need to be reminded that you're not sinning by being tempted to do something. If you give in to that thing, that thing that you just know you're not supposed to be doing, or that thing that is dangerous, that thing that is harmful, man, it's not temptation anymore. You're in the, you're in the show now. Sin. Matthew chapter 26, it says this, watch and pray so that you won't fall into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. The spirit's willing, but the flesh is weak. What do you think that means? What do you think it means when the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak? Anybody? What does that mean? What does it mean that the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak? 
We have good intentions. Yep. What else? What was it? Somebody said something. You want to do right, but you do wrong. If anybody's read things from the Apostle Paul, man, this guy, poor guy, he's writing, why is it that I don't do the things that I want to do and I can't do the things that I want to do, and every time I decide I'm going to be good, I do bad, and when I decide not to do bad, I do bad anyway. Why do I, why do I not do the things I want to do? When I, and he's saying these same kind of things. How come I can't get this right? You know why that is? Because the devil's coming for you. I'm not kidding. Because he's coming for you. He's always coming for you. He is coming for you. If you've been living your life in a way that um, feels like you don't deal with the devil in some way, here's what I'll, I'll give you a little, give you a little inside baseball. You're losing then. You're losing to him. If it feels like you never deal with him, you're losing to him. Because he's always coming for you. His mission is to steal and kill and destroy. It says in the word. His mission is to steal and kill and destroy. Second Corinthians 2, it says, I wrote to you so that Satan will not outsmart us. For we're familiar with his evil schemes. We're familiar with his evil schemes. Like Satan hasn't been coming up with new stuff recently. We, we're pretty familiar with it. And now that we've had social media for a few years, yeah, he probably did some new things for a couple days. But we're on to him. We're on to him the way that he works a lot of the time. Aren't we? Maybe you aren't. I don't know. Here's what you need to know. The devil is coming for you. He is. It's just how he does it. 1 Corinthians 10, it says, So if you think that you're standing firm, be careful that you don't fall. Be careful that you don't fall. Studies um, about this type of thing um, for people who think that maybe they are uh, better at resisting things than others. How many of you in the room, um, you think that you have a really strong willpower? Like, what if there's cake on the counter? What if there's cake on the counter? Do you avoid the cake? What if there's Twizzlers on the counter? What if there's Reese eggs? Not the cups, the eggs. What if they're there? Are you fine? Do you just walk past them? You're in, you're in control of your life? Or do you have a calling? Do you have this thing and you're like, yeah, just leave me alone. The thing I always notice, broccoli never calls. It just doesn't. But we are constantly fighting this temptation of the things that are on the counter. And so uh, studies have shown that people, basically everyone, all of us, we think we're better at resisting things we shouldn't be doing or having or eating. We think that we're better at it than we are. We actually know that we're bad, like we know we're terrible, but we secretly think we're better than we are at it. Like, I'm pretty good. I can... I can stop myself, right? It's called restraint bias. It's this thing where we think that we're able to resist um, more than, and it's not just for cake. I, 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 was, uh, I was 18 years old, 
and I was working at a place in Northgate Mall, and um, I, I don't even have time to get into the whole, the entirety of it, but all I can say is I've been propositioned for things multiple times in my life, and it was that moment where you got to decide, am I going to become a dirtbag, or am I going to run? Am I going to run? Fighting temptation is difficult. Fighting temptation is difficult because a lot of times also you're trying to fight against something and it sneaks up on you in a different way. This is the way that the enemy, Satan, works. If you've been spending your energy uh, trying to not get mad at the kids um, all the time, you're spending your energy on that, but then you blow up on your spouse, that's what Satan do. He's like, oh, good job, good job with the kids, good job, good job. Are you a little frustrated, though? Do you want to take out your, do you want to take out your frustration on somebody? How about the person you love more than anyone? How about them? Self-control or willpower or being able to white, any of you had to white knuckle anything in your life ever, like where you're just like, I'm quitting this cold turkey, and I got it. It's difficult. It's difficult. So what do you do? What do you do? What do you do? How the heck do you overcome temptation? Because the devil's coming for you, and unfortunately, you're not as strong as you think. And so if you're not as strong as you think, and he's coming for you, there are three keys to fighting temptation. They have to do with pre-deciding the way that you fight temptation is you move the line, you magnify the cost, and you plan your escape. You move the line, you magnify the cost, and you plan your escape. The first one, if you're trying to overcome temptation in your life, you need to learn how to move the line. You need to learn how to move the line. The line, what I'm talking about, is the line uh, of where you're willing to go that you believe you're okay and you're not sinning. That's the line I'm talking about. And so sometimes you have to move the line because a lot of us are in this place where we're operating where we go all the way up to the line all the time and we dance on the line. And sometimes we accidentally trip and we fall over the line. We thought we were, we thought we were all right, but we st- somebody, man, somebody pushed me. I wasn't going to step over it, but right when I got close, somebody pushed me over the line, right? When I was dating my wife, Allison, I'm like trying to figure out where the line is. We're dating, but she was a Christian, and I wasn't. I wasn't sure what the rules were. How much can we do? Am I allowed to smell her hair? Is that where the line is? Where's the line? You guys know what I'm saying? The line. You guys okay? How close can I get? To the line. How, how far should I stay away from the line? When maybe you've been to a, like a Christian dance or something like that when you were younger, and uh, maybe you had a chaperone step in and put the wedged fingers in between you and move you away from your partner, and maybe they said, leave room for the Holy Spirit. 
Maybe you're dancing too close to the line. The line is that place of what you would consider sin. And so for whatever reason, we don't do this in other areas of our lives. Um, Well, some of you do. How many of you are the person who you fill up your gas tank all the way, even though it's expensive and it, it, it feels horrible, but you fill it all the way up? So you don't have to, I, feel, I like to fill it up. But then there's others of you in this room who even if you had all the money in the world, you're like, I only put in $20 at a time. I want to stop every day. I love wasting my time. But you don't drive your car until it's, sputtering out of gas every time where you're like oh my gosh I got so close to the line that I'm just all like we don't do that we we move the line we're like no I have a rule now right I let it get to a quarter of a tank or I let it get to this or I let it get to whatever you move the line with getting gas we have to move the line with are we close to sin are we close to breaking things in our life? Are we close to messing things up? When I pre-decide, one of the things that I'm pre-deciding is putting distance between me and temptation. I need to move the line so that I don't go up so close to it and accidentally, oh my, whoops, I have to move the line back. So I'm not playing with fire all the time. A friend of mine Uh, was having trouble recently because they cannot stop overspending and buying things on Amazon. They can't stop. And they just said, I I can't stop. I can't stop buying stuff on Amazon. You know what they did? They gave their best friend their password. And their best friend went in and changed the password. And now they have this system set up where anytime he wants to buy something from Amazon, he's got to check in with his best friend and say, would you be able to get this stuff oh do you really need that is that something you need and so all of a sudden there's this accountability piece that is put into it because he 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 did some pre-deciding and he decided to move that line I don't want to get that close to the line I'm going to try to move the line and put put another obstacle in the way of this thing I'm struggling with Uh, maybe you're spending four hours a day on Instagram and TikTok you may need to pre-decide to put a time limit on things. Your phones, if you have Instagram and TikTok, your phone has advanced settings in it to be able to shut it off. You can set them. You can kick yourself off of things. Maybe you just don't know what, what I, I don't know why it keeps happening. I go out clubbing and I get wasted drunk and then I hook up with some random stranger and I feel terrible about myself. And then I restart it because I feel terrible, and then I'm feeling lonely and sad and and hungover, and I don't know, maybe I think I'm going to go out again and uh, maybe find somebody else. Got to move the line. You got to move the line if you're you're constantly going up to the edge of it and going, no, I'm not going to drink tonight. I'll go out, but I'm not going to drink. Then as soon as somebody says, hey, let me buy you a drink. Oh, yeah, I do. Yep. It's creating barriers between you and sin is what I'm talking about. 
Psalm chapter 16. It says, the boundary lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. Surely I have delightful inheritance. The boundary lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. Surely I have delightful inheritance. Predeciding. Sometimes you have to move the line. The next one, this one's a big deal for me. If you're a note taker, sometimes you move the line. Sometimes you magnify the cost. Magnify the cost. If you have something going on in your life that is the broken piece or the area of temptation, like the, the word says in, in the Old Testament, uh, in Proverbs, it says, as a dog returns to its vomit, so a fool returns to his folly. I have little vomit-eating dogs. And no matter how many times I scream, why would you do that? No, no, why would you? Because dogs return to their vomit. And like them, so fools return to their folly. And so we say, why did I do that thing again that I hate? And yet, here we are again. Maybe we need to create barriers between ourselves and sin. For me, um, that works really well when I magnify the cost. And so what I mean is, what if uh, you started writing down the worst case scenario, the worst case scenario situation? What if it came true? What if it came true? So you're tempted by something. Um, I'm a 39-year-old man. The temptation for me is to find another lady that is not my wife. That would be the common one for guys my age. And so it's one that I have to know about and I have to be active and I have to be, um, <laughs> I have to not um, just hope something bad doesn't accidentally come my way because it's a big deal. And so I have to magnify the cost and ask myself if I were to give in to temptation in that area, if I were to do that, if I were to look for another lady, if I were to... Um, then what could go wrong if I did it? Then what could go wrong if I did it? I got to look at that. Oh my gosh, what if I got someone pregnant? Oh my gosh, what if this? I would lose the trust of my loved ones. I would lose my reputation. I would lose my, I would lose my job, probably. I would lose... I don't know. Would I lose my marriage? Am I going to risk it? Am I going to chance it? Am I going to hope that you would forgive me? Numbers chapter 32 says, You'll be sinning against the Lord, and you may be sure that your sin will find you out. You'll be sinning against the Lord, and you may be sure that your sin will find you out. Your sin will find you out. If you're trying to have a secret area of sin. Your sin will find you out. It will reveal itself. Um, and so you have to magnify the cost of what this would do. If I were to betray my vows and compromise my integrity, I have to magnify the Okay, so my trust with Allison would be gone. Uh, the respect of my kids would be gone. Your trust would be gone. Um, I would hurt hundreds of people. At this church, I would lose my ministry that I do. I would give 
so many things up for an hour of sin to allow an hour of sin to wreck a lifetime story of serving Jesus with my life. I got to magnify the cost. I got I to get a magnifying glass out and go, okay, okay. So if I want to avoid this thing, I need to take a magnifying glass look at this thing, exactly how nasty it is. How horrible is it? How gross is it? How bad is it? Magnify it, look at it, and really own it. Because if you're, if for any of you in recovery whatsoever too, man, if you're trying to get away from drinking, you got to find something better than drinking. you got to find something to run to, man. And drinking's pretty good. And so you got to find something better than drinking, right? Something that you can run to and also something that you can magnify the cost with and you can say, okay, well, if I drink again, if I give back and I've been staying, so if I drink again, what, what does it cost me? Magnify the cost. The first thing, move the line. If you're dancing too close to the line, move the line. The second, magnify the, the cost. The third one would be this, plan your escape. Plan your escape. Plan your escape. Um, my wife Allison says that I'm like Joseph. Um, I'm going to read you a story about Joseph. Genesis chapter 39. Joseph was very handsome. <laughs> and he was a well-built young man. And Potiphar's wife soon began to look at him lustfully. Come and sleep with me. She's pretty forward. She demanded. Man, have you ever had a woman demand that you come and sleep with her? That is hard to resist. That's a hard thing to not give into. That's a temptation. That's going to be textbook temptation. Joseph was a very handsome and well-built young man. And Potiphar's wife soon began to look at him lustfully. Come and sleep with me, she demanded. Be easy for Joseph to give into this one. Potiphar's wife was, from what I read, a 10. And Joseph is all alone. And he's in a spot in this particular part of the story where no one is going to find out. And she's probably one of those girls who says things like, I won't tell anybody. And so he has this attractive woman in front of him. He's young. He's single. She made a move on him. And this is kind of my favorite because he begins uh, blaming God. He's being tempted, and he looks at God and says, Why would you do this to me? This is your fault. Why would you do this to me? And he does this thing where he starts to use his disappointment to justify his disobedience. He starts to use his disapp disappointment to justify the thing that he's going to do, the thing that's wrong, the thing that he shouldn't be doing. He starts getting himself riled up over nothing and angry at God and blaming God. God, this is all your fault. Anyway, I'm here by myself. If you would have given me a wife, I wouldn't have to even think about this. I wouldn't have to make the right decision right now. She's this lady. Come on, Lord. You know how many guys I've heard from who've said the sentence that 
she wasn't meeting my needs, and so I had to dot, dot, dot. Also, if you're a guy that's ever said that, you are a giant wuss, um, just so you know. She wasn't meeting my needs, so I had to go do what I got to do. You're using your disappointments to justify your disobediences. Joseph tells this woman day after day, no deal, not going to happen, no. No, no, no. And he resists her, he resists her, he resists her, and day after day, she hits on him day after day. She offers him things day after day. She's like, I'll give you a back rub. Because the devil will wear you down. The devil will wear you down. And Joseph in this story might have thought that he was strong, but he wasn't strong. He wasn't strong. What he was, he was ready and he was smart. He was ready and he was smart. He was smart enough to pre-plan his escape. One day, Potiphar's wife, she says, all right, I'm done. I'm tired of asking. I uh, really put myself out there. You declined me again and again and again, and so I'm going to crank up the intensity a little bit. Potiphar's wife says, I'm not asking anymore. She grabs a hold of him. She grabs his coat, and she says, let's go, buddy. You're meeting me in the bedroom. It says this, Genesis chapter 39, but he left his cloak in her hand and ran out of the house naked. He's gone. He leaves his coat because he says, man, it's better to have a good name than have a good coat. And he realizes he wasn't going to be strong enough to resist it if she grabbed a hold of him and she cornered him and he couldn't get away and she started hugging him and kissing him. And what was he going to do? He said, there's only one thing I can do. Sprint. Sprint. She grabs a hold of his cloak. Cloaks, the underwear weren't invented yet. Cloak was the whole thing, just so you know. Cloak. It was, what are you wearing today? Cloak, again. She grabs him by the cloak. He's only got one thing. And he's a man of God. And so, you know, it, but he said, well, I mean, what? She grabs me, I'm sprinting. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, it says, and God is faithful. He won't let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you're tempted, he'll also provide a way out so that you can endure it that there's no such thing as a temptation that is too strong. Um, there's always a way out. There's always an opportunity to do something else. There's a window to jump out of. There's a, 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 another door to go through. You can pre-decide how you're going to respond when temptation shows up because the devil's coming for you. And when he attacks, that you would be ready. Nobody plans to mess up. But you could plan not to. You could plan not to mess up. You could pre-decide. You could put distance between yourself and temptation. The devil's going to attack, and you're not as strong as you might think, and so you may need to move the line 
You may need to magnify the cost. You may need to plan your escape. Um, for me, where this is, where the rubber's meeting the road for me personally on this, and we're going to keep talking about this, um, this kind of stuff um, because it's good, but um, I'm working on a bunch of things in my life right now to try to pre-decide how I'm going to... Um, how I'm going to feel, how I'm going to think, how I'm going to react, how I'm going to um, approach relationships with other people um, from now on when, uh, okay, so if I'm feeling like um, somebody is abandoning me, I'm pre-deciding to write that person immediately and start the sentence with, the story I'm making up in my head is and keep writing and let them know what I'm thinking, what I'm feeling, what I'm worried about. And it's been working. I've been pre-deciding a whole bunch of different things. And so if you're uh, tired, you're overwhelmed, you're angry, you're emotional, you're discouraged, if you're depressed right now, if you feel vulnerable, if you feel like you just don't know um, what's next, there's a feeling of uneasiness with you, any of those kind of things, um, I believe that we have an opportunity to pre-decide how we're going to approach 2022. Um, I'm seeing a therapist for the first time on Tuesday this week. I reached a point for me where, and I decided that I, I did want to tell all of you about just what was going on. I've never seen a professional therapist of any kind. Um, and... I've been really, really good because the Lord has seen me through every possible situation. Um, but this pandemic has ruined something in my brain. And I don't feel good sometimes. And I said, well, I don't want to, I'm not going to just see how it shakes out. Um, I'm going to go and talk to a therapist and I'm freaking excited about it <laughs> because I'm, I'm not, in I didn't get in trouble. I didn't get busted. I didn't get an ultimatum handed to me. I get to go and work on stuff and pre-decide to, um, you know, experience the kingdom more. So Tuesday, first one, let you know how that goes. I want to pray for you. Lord Jesus, thank you for the people in this room. I love these I love these boys and girls. I thank you for friends to have on the journey. God, the things that you've been teaching us and showing us and the ways you've been growing us and challenging us. And Lord, we, we just say, come Holy Spirit. We want you to move in a powerful way. And um, we, we believe that that has to do with you making us powerful people here in this room. We don't want to be the kind of people who are victims here. We want to be the, the people who help others climb out of hell. We want to be the kind of people who help others repair broken relationships. We want to be the kind of people who help others know Jesus, know what he looks like, know how he operates, know how he feels about you, that we would be the people who just...
have our, our tool belts loaded. So we pray that you would make us strong and courageous, Lord. Make us strong and courageous. Ready us. You're faithful, and you won't let us be tempted beyond what we can bear. So we thank you for always giving us a way out and always giving us a way on with you. Love you, Jesus. We thank you for the work you did on the cross for us. Pray in your name. Amen. Amen. Well, God bless you guys. If anyone would like to receive prayer for anything, we'll have a couple prayer team people over here by the cross. Um, if you would like to talk whatsoever, uh, feel free to stop by my office down this hallway over here. I'd love to say hello. See you guys soon. For more information about Vineyard Westside, please visit vineyardwestside.com.